Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you, normal Christian believer, follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. I've got three gentlemen on the podcast. Guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves? How's it going, guys? Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Sam Schmidt, Pastor at Sacred City Moline. Kevin Kinor, Biblical Counselor. Okay. Hey, guys, I want to just thank you, our listeners, right away. We are getting a, a lot more uh, interest in the podcast and a lot more questions coming back to us. And man, it just makes it uh, a lot more fun when we've got a lot of questions to choose yeah. from and topics to choose from. And some of these are going to be a little bit ongoing. They're going to be more like a series. Um, one listener wrote in and said that they wanted to um, hear about cults. They wanted mm. to hear about cults. Now, um, because... You know, certain people are, they, you work with them and some people are showing up at your doors knocking and they said, Hey, I'd like to little, know a little bit about the history of cults. What, what are cults? And mm -hmm. let's go through kind of one by one and just, you know, give a, give a overview of, you know, what this cult is, why is it a cult and what do they believe? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to start with that today. And one of the resources that we use I, it's a book that I've had on my shelf for many, many years, and it's just called Kingdom of the Cults. And Kevin, do you remember who, who, who's the author of that book? Yeah, I believe that's Ravi Zacharias. Yeah, he's an editor, I think, but Ravi Zacharias is the editor, but there was another guy that I think was the It's author. Walter something. Walter Kaiser? No, 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 Martin, no. Not Walter Martin. Walter Martin. Walter Martin, yeah. Walter Martin, yeah. So that's a good book just for, you know, a resource to have on your shelf that you can go through because we're going to talk about some of this stuff. And, and again, I've talked about this stuff in the past. But it's hard, it's hard to remember all and keep all these cults separate and what do they believe. And because some of them, you will find out, believe some rather far-fetched things. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like sci-fi. So let's just start this morning on or today. What, what, what is a cult? I'll ask you, Kevin, what is a cult? Yeah, a cult, um, you think, comes from, I think it's the Latin word cultus, which means worship, right? So by definition, you see that a cult is a group of people centered around themes of worship. Um, so that book, Kingdom of the Cults, defines it as a religious group of people that differs significantly in one or more respects to the normative, or what we'd call the orthodox worship practices. So we'd say, simple definition, a cult is a group of people whose beliefs, their practices are, I'd say, significantly out of alignment with God's revealed, revealed will. Yeah. And... Yes, and there's so there's all there's going to be all kinds of different cults, and um, you can you can define them very narrow mm -hmm. narrowly, and you can define them um, wider. Mm -hmm. Like if we wanted to define them wider, we could say that every you know Christians believe that every single religion other than Christianity could be a cult, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> because it's not worshiping the one true God. Right? Yeah. But if you, if you narrow that down, some people would say, no, a cult is someone that only take, they're, they're going to take a little bit of Christianity and they're going to have some aberrant beliefs. They're going to go off on those beliefs. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. there's other people that just believe, well, you know, a cult is just a, a people that worship. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you could define it. You could define it in many different ways. Usually when we're using it in the modern vernacular, when we say, oh, that, that thing is a cult. We're saying that thing is weird. That yeah. thing is aberrant. That thing is not um, Christianity, 
right? Mm -hmm. And I, most of the time, people wouldn't even say like, you know, Islam is a cult. Most most people wouldn't say that, um, you know, Buddhism is a cult. Mm -hmm. Some people would, but they they would just characterize that as a as a different a different religion, a totally different yeah. religion. So um, we're going to start off by talking about some cults that sound a little bit like Christianity or maybe maybe they're they're in the same vein or people think um, they could that they could pass for Christianity mm -hmm. or that, let's just say they have Jesus in them somewhere mm -hmm. <clears throat> right now when as we get into this stuff one of the things that you're going to see that is usually um, true of a cult is they're going to have some religious leader who claims to have special knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yep. They claim to get divine revelation uh, from God himself, from a dream, from an angel, from finding some golden tablets out in the woods. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of ways that this person can get his special knowledge, but that's one of the defining features, I think, of most cults, mm -hmm. is you've got one guy who has received special knowledge, mm -hmm. right? Now, what, right away, what do you guys, do you guys hear anything wrong with that? Well, you said hearing from God. Did you, is that what you said? Yeah, he claims to hear from God. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think they do it in ways that very intentionally can't be proved by anything, right? And by that, I mean not even, like, historical record. I, I would say nine times out of ten... It is one guy in the woods all by himself, one guy in a cave all by himself, and oh yeah, 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 I got this, I got this vision, right? It, it just, just you know, the Lord appeared to me. Um, completely like no outside witnesses, yeah. and just like like we said. And how often, how often do they come back and that one God reveals that they can have multiple women for wives? Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> how convenient. And yeah, it's yeah. really convenient. Not suspicious at I all. I went out into the woods and I found out mm -hmm. that this thing said that I can have sex with other women than my wife. Wow. Yeah. That, that sounds like something new. Right? Yeah. yeah, that sounds like something new. We just go back to all the pagan religions in the Old Testament. You can find that same kind of belief. Yeah. So what is the difference between that and someone saying that they had an encounter with God? Well, nothing. There's nothing in the statement that is different. Mm -hmm. It's why you have to be very wary of mm -hmm. anyone who claims to have any type of encounter with God, like you should have a, a appropriate level of suspicion when they say that, because the Bible tells us the devil parades around like an angel of light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the devil can show up when you're having a quiet time. The devil could show up when you're uh, praying, meditating, when you're walking in the woods. The devil can show up as an angel of light and easily deceive you and tell you a bunch of stupid stuff. Yeah. But that's also why you have to have discernment to make sure whatever is being told to you matches up with Scripture, correct? 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think Galatians 1.8, Paul says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, right? Okay, so that right there, let him be accursed, mm -hmm. that is the, the strongest condemnation mm -hmm. in the New Testament. Yeah. Let him be accursed, anathema. Let him be cut off from God. Mm -hmm. So Paul is reserving this condemnation for people 
who says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, so he's already, you know, making sure it matches up with scripture. Yeah, it's got to yeah. match up with yeah. scripture. If there's any other gospel, now what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, right? Like mm -hmm. he was the perfect man. He came for us, bled for us, died for us, rose for us, ascended to the right hand of the Father. We could go from, from all the way from, you know, we, we could go from eternity past to eternity present, that gospel. It's got <clears throat> history in it. It's got verifiable evidence in it. Jesus was a real person who showed up yep. outside corroborating, corroborating resources. When he showed up, when he was resurrected, he was seen by over 500 witnesses. Yep. So the script, scriptures, you know, they, they're self-attesting. They attest to one another, right? But also there's outside witnesses that, that corroborate it, right? And then Jesus says he's coming back again to judge the quick and the dead. Mm -hmm. And we're waiting on that second coming of Christ, right? So that's the gospel, right? All that included there in there is the gospel. We're and, saved by the work of Christ. <clears throat> and a lot of these, an, another marker. So a guy goes into the woods, goes into the wilderness by himself, comes back with a vision from God, and usually ends up producing another body of work contrary to or adding to Scripture, right? Yeah, which directly contradicts Galatians yes. 1.8. Galatians 1.8 says, even if an angel shows up to you and, and is going to give you another gospel, let him be accursed. Do not believe it. Yeah. And so a lot of these extra biblical religions, and we could go through Islam, Jehovah's Witness, mm -hmm. Mormonism, yep. they all have extra biblical texts. So there's not just the Bible. They're going to add to the Bible yep. right. and say, oh, yeah, but, but you, know, you know, Muhammad, his, you know, he, he writes that down the Quran, and mm -hmm. now we have the Bible plus the Quran, mm -hmm. right? Or Jehovah's Witness, the Bible plus this Watchtower magazine. Yep. Or the Mormonism, the, what are the books of Mormonism? Do you know what those th three books are called, or those books are called that the Mormons have? I can't remember what they're called off the top of my head. But anyways, he, and, and the, the, this one, one guy has got all the revelations. So you think about the New Testament, or the Old Testament and the New Testament. 66 different authors, right? Is that right? 66 different books, but uh, uh, 40 different authors, 66 different books, 40 different authors, all testifying to the same thing. Mm -hmm. One God, three persons, mm -hmm. same gospel from beginning to end. When you get these extra biblical revelations, you'll have everything else is from Muhammad. And this is now the true revelation from one guy. Mm -hmm. Everything else is now from Joseph Smith, right? Mm -hmm. From Mormonism. And so, yeah, you see a direct contradiction to God's revealed scripture that says any other gospel comes, let that guy be accursed, mm -hmm. even if it's an angel of light. Yeah. And one of, one of the trends, so the, a lot of these cults will, will keep the Bible in some form. They'll usually have some altered state. So one of the things that makes cults sort of credible or gives it a little bit of uh, handles to grab onto is that it does borrow some of the Christian Bible and it uses some of the language. A lot of, a lot of times you get in some of these cults a lot of the same language, but then they have this this deviation from it where this new work that's been written by a founder has advanced the revelation or the light has got, they, they, some, some of them say the light has gotten brighter. So now we see better. So that stuff in the, in the Bible, you know, it, it was true sort of, but now here's the clarity to it. So it's, it provides like another hermeneutic, another lens yeah. to then go back and interpret scripture through, which you get a lot of goofy stuff then. So, and that is always a danger the human uh, predicament, <clears throat> human nature, we are drawn to the new and the novel. Mm. 
And so when someone says, oh, I got upgraded, I got the new revelation, I got the better version, this is going to make your life better and happier, there's something about humans that we are naturally drawn to that, mm-hmm. right? We're not drawn necessarily to old things, right. to the recovery of doctrine, to the recovery of you know, things that have, been, that have gone on before. We're more drawn to something new and fresh and innovative. So these cults show up and they usually try to merge some modern philosophy in with scripture. Yeah. You know, Scientology, you're trying to merge, you know, science or whatever, whatever, you know, that, that kind of thing into Christianity. You're trying to merge humanism into Christianity. You're trying to merge modern um, psychotherapy in with Christianity. You're trying to merge uh, feminism in with Christianity. It's trying to take something new and novel and, and you know, use Christianity or the Bible as a jumping off point mm-hmm. to, but basically if you're adding to Christianity, we, we used to say Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you add something to Jesus, you lose Jesus right? yeah, for because sure. it's not, it's never, you know, the gospel plus something else equals salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're always going to be led into a new form the Bible calls legalism, mm. a new form of rules-based relationship with God where you're looking at your obedience as what keeps you in right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so cults, we need to be aware of cults because, like Sam said, they do have a little bit of the truth, but then they they err, and then their errors ruin the whole thing. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah, And, and I'm excited to even talk about it, too, because there's a lot of young kids that are coming up and getting ready to head to colleges, right? You got sororities and you got um, all these different, you know, categories of of life, of communities within colleges, and they're asking you to put that above everything else. So I think it's going to be really good for them as well. Well, and that's something that I don't, depending on where you grew up or what your context was, even geographically, it'll kind of depend on how much exposure you've had to some of these things. If you're in Utah, it's highly likely you're going to experience a lot of Mormon folks yeah. interacting with you. And, and yeah. even still here around here, we still have Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door and Mormons coming door to door and tr- trying to evangelize and, and do their thing. But for me, a lot, a lot of times growing up, I, I knew that I thought of some of these cults as like cousins of Christians, not quite Christians, but kind of in there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and as I've studied these and, and I've, I've learned more about the cults, it, it's like, they couldn't be further. It's not, they're not cousins at all. They're, there's no relation. No. They're, you know, they're way out there. So I've only known one. Um, well, we've got a guy that was raised Mormon in our church and has been converted to Christ and baptized here at the church. And, uh, but I've only known, I've been in relationship with one Mormon in my life. And that was when I was, I was in college selling shoes at Von Marsh shoe department. And she was, a really great woman. She was a great woman. She was from Utah. She was here to go to Palmer. Her husband was going to Palmer. And the way she made it sound, she was a Christian just like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We believed, the way she made it sound, we believed all the same things. They just wore some special underwear. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> there was just all this kind of, but she, she, that's what she said. She was like, made it sound like this. And, and I was like, you know, how do you know, that the Book of Mormon is actually inspired. Well, Justin, listen, you just got to, what you got to do is you got to take it. You got to go out into the, literally, you got to go out into the woods. You got to go out by yourself. You got to read it for yourself and you'll come out and you'll just know. And she was leaning into this esoteric, individualistic, personal experience Mm -hmm. that you go away and you get some kind of warm fuzzy and then you come back and you know. 
right? Well, that's not how I know anything. Right. Like, mm. I don't want to know if, like, the, the fact that two plus two equals four, I don't go out into a woods to find out some warm feeling to see right. if that's true. No, I research the evidence, yeah. right? I get other people that know more than me to, to check my work, right? And so... Bring me the book. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so there... Yeah, so what we're let's as we get into this, let me clarify and right away. What we're not saying is that every single person who is in a cult is inherently more evil right. than we are. <laughs> right. And it's interesting like with Jehovah's Witnesses and with um Mormons, there there are a lot of shared moral ground. Like we would say for the most part, marriage is a good thing. We would talk about Christian ethics or shared ethics that we, we could agree on a lot, but then you get into matters of salvation, you get into some of the the stuff that they're they're pumping into this, and you're like, yeah. we could not be further apart. Right. And so it's weird when there's it feels like, okay, there is some shared ground. We will talk about Jesus, but it's not the same thing. We use the same language, but we're not using it in the same way. Yeah. So there there is this like confusing thing, like, are we together or are we not? And and no, we're not together on yeah. Well, there's, there's going to be overlap. In, in many world religions, there's going to be some overlap because God built the world a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if the majority of world religions are trying to um, work in line with human nature and build good so- societies, right, there's going to be overlap. Yeah. Like, thou shalt not kill. If any decent religion is going to believe that, mm-hmm. right? Um, because protecting life is is a core tenet of flourishing society, right? right. Marriage, um, sexual behavior, a lot of our ethics. We're going to share those things. So, so mm-hmm. in some sense, like even even like when we as we've been talking about Christian nationalism or, or the way Christians engage politics, some of these guys would be like, we're wearing the same jersey in some things. Yeah, yeah. We, but not not. But these people are going to hell. Like, yeah. I'm going to be clear and say, the, more than likely, these people are going to hell. And so that's why it's so dangerous because Paul says that let them be accursed, let, let them be cut off because they're leading people away from Jesus mm-hmm. and their, their understanding of salvation mm-hmm. is just not, it's not biblical. Right. Right. And I think it's really important to, to also realize like the demonic underworkings of these cults. This isn't like, this isn't like a, uh, a neutral thing that's going on or a little bit misguided. Like there's some, something sinister, something nefarious going on underneath these cults that has, pulled people in and they're trapped. A lot of these people are trapped. And so uh, I think one of the reasons why we as Christians want to talk about cults is not to pit ourselves against them and say, oh, we're, we're so much better or we've got it figured out and they don't. But it's like, we want to be good evangelists. We want to be good missionaries and and uh, see these people come out of cults and come to know the real Jesus and to walk with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is, Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. Yeah. It doesn't come any other way than through Jesus. And so if we have a neighbor who's a Jehovah's Witness or a neighbor who's a Mormon or a neighbor who's a, you know, who's a Muslim, we want to love that person into the kingdom. And, and obviously that means being a good neighbor, being kind to them, having them over for dinner, like having good conversations with them, but we also have to be knowledgeable that when they say something, we can either rebut it or we can ask further questions. We can ask for clarification because many times they want to be in our, on our team. Mm -hmm. And, and and some of them don't even know that they're not on our team. They don't know the foundations of their own faith. Sometimes they don't know where they're erring from scripture. And so for their good, we need to, 
bring these things up and challenge them in a loving way mm-hmm. and so that they find the truth, right? So they find life and life more abundantly. Yeah, and, yeah. and so that we're not persuaded into their, their way of thinking too. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good point as yeah. well. So, um, yeah, so obviously we want to avoid cults. We want to avoid cult worship. We want to worship the true God in the way that he's revealed himself to us. We want to be a guard, on guard against cultist teachings. We want to be aware of what's going around. The Bible tells us to um, be workmen who study to show ourselves approved, but also he tells us to, to have an answer ready for those who ask questions, mm-hmm. right? That, yep. That's what apologetics is, that we're always to be ready. Um, and sometimes, like Jehovah's Witnesses, man, they will show up at your door. They will show up at your door. Yeah. And so let's start with... Um, Jehovah's Witness, right? Let's mm. just start with Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. And uh, Kevin, you want to give us a little bit of a foundation? Like where, where did Jehovah's Witnesses come from? Yeah, it started with this dude, Charles Taze Russell. Do you know how, what, when, how long ago that was? It was somewhere in the roundabout 1860. All right, so let me just say this right now. There were a, several cults started when when America started going West, Mm. okay, the Western expansion, they opened up the frontier and everybody could move out West. A lot of cults either started then or began to grow then because they could go out and find their own land and they could get out there and build their own kind of communities and their own communes. And that's kind of how Mormonism got out, you Mm -hmm. know, to Utah that got kind of driven out of other places because they were a cult. But this, I, when, when the West opened up, so think about it, like when, when, you know, the Mayflower landed and the Huguenots came over and everybody was searching for religious freedom and that's, they founded America on, on that tenet, right? They started building these communities. The different colonies all kind of had their own version of Christianity. What I mean by that is, is Baptist colonies, mm-hmm. Anglican colonies, they were all relatively orthodox colonies. But then as the West opened up the the seminaries Mm. didn't have the men the trained men to send out west they didn't have enough good pastors to send out west Mm. i mean can you imagine just you know america just the eastern states right that's where we're living we're populated eastern states and then the west opens up Mm. think about the geographical you know, square footage of mm. the Western United States. Yeah. And now people are moving out West as fast as they can. And, you know, there are no towns. Mm. When towns are getting built, you know, there's, it's hard to put a church in every town. And you, and you can build a church, but it's hard to get a man, a biblically qualified man to go there. Yeah. So, so one of the things that happened during this time was um, churches got theologically weak because they started appointed, appointing farmers and different people to be pastors that didn't have any theological training yeah. and they didn't understand the scriptures. And then you started having all kind of aberrant religious within Christianity, but then aberrant religions that are coming over from the East and come over from different places. And, and you get cult leaders that start their own cult. There's nobody there to challenge them theologically. And there's really, there's so much land they, they can build, the, you know, in, until they start doing really weird stuff, the community's not going to rise up and try to squash it. Mm-hmm. So that was just a little historical aside there. Yeah, but it matters, right? And so 
just just a few points on him. He was uh, he considered himself a Bible student. Um, he founded kind of the the precursor to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I think they were called the um, the Bible students, something like that. But he also he didn't believe in the doctrine of hell. So he was basically one of those guys who believed that <clears throat> a just God would never let you suffer eternally, and so. Um, a view called annihilation. Basically, when you die, you're dead. That's about it. Annihilationism. Yeah, yeah. annihilationism. Um, and and so, more than likely, when people feel that way, it's because they can feel the flames of hell kind of licking their toes. Um, and among other, so he founded this movement, the Bible Students. He also founded a publishing company. Uh, we call it, I think, we call it the Watchtower mm-hmm. now. And so that's kind of. I don't believe they have. A text necessarily um, in the same way like the Book of Mormon or the Quran, but they put out a lot of content, a lot of supposed prophecies about the end times and things like that. Yeah, so Jehovah's Witness, they err in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Number one, um, they believe that God's one true name is Jehovah. Mm-hmm. That's why they're called Jehovah's Witnesses. And obviously in the Bible, that God is called Elohim. In Genesis 1-1, he's called God Almighty, El Shaddai. And Gen- he's got all kind of different names. Mm. Um, the Lord, Adonai, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh. Um, I can't even say that one, but he's got a lot of, God's got, God reveals himself in a lot of different ways mm. in the Old Testament, right? And in the New Testament, Jesus referred to God as Father, mm-hmm. right? So they believe he's only got one name, and that's, that's Jehovah. They don't believe in the Trinity, mm-hmm. So they reject it because they say the, the word is not in the Bible. Um, they say there's only one God. Uh, but Scripture obviously teaches us that, you know, the Father's God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. We've got plenty of texts for that. Yeah. Um, and all of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and, and eternal. So that's, you know, the essence of their mm-hmm. godness. And... Um, <coughs> And they're all three in the one in the one Godhead, right? Mm-hmm. Now, because they don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, that affects what we would call their Christology or their understanding of who Jesus is. So they believe that Jesus was created by God, right? He's not God. He was created by God. Mm-hmm. Now, interest, I mean, some weird stuff. They believe Jesus originally was the arch, archangel Michael. Mm-hmm before the physical world existed. And he is a God, little g, but he's not one with God. Mm-hmm. He's just a God, right? And for those of us who have been studying John, you know, John, we, we see Jesus over and over and over. I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. In the beginning was the word, the word, word was with God, the word was God, right? Jesus is that, mm-hmm. that word. <clears throat> um, and it says... Jesus himself created the angels in Colossians 1.16 and John 1.3, and Mm. and he's worshiped by them in Hebrews 1.6. So they get God wrong. They get the Trinity wrong. Mm. They get Jesus wrong. What could go wrong? Yeah, they get the in, therefore they get the incarnation wrong. Mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that when Jesus was born on earth, he was a mere human and not God in human flesh. Mm. The perfect human. Yes, that we all can become. If we realize our God-like nature's inside, we can, every single one of us, become a God Mm -hmm. or become like Jesus, 
right? Which is completely contrary to the gospel. Um, and yes, we become more like God, like Jesus, by beholding the glory of God. And we're, we're looking in the face of Jesus and we become uh, more like him from one degree of glory mm-hmm. to the next, right? Yeah. Um, but it's wild because it seems like these guys are just some of the most boldest people. They're coming knocking on your doors. They got a crew of people that ride around on bikes just stopping at everybody's door. Well, they you know, do that. willing to share. Yeah, they do that because it's part of their religion and they have to do that mm. if they want to make it into heaven. I thought those were the only Christians that I knew growing up because they, they were the one that coming on my door. Yeah, riding bicycles, <laughs> that was it, yeah. white short sleeve t-shirts with black ties. Mm. In the middle of summer, they do it, right? Mm. Now, obviously, Scripture tells us in Colossians 2, 9 that the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Jesus. So mm. Jesus is fully God, yeah. Yeah. right? So they're, they're wrong on that. Emmanuel, Jesus Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Yes. Now, so think about that. All those things they get wrong there. They also get the resurrection wrong. Yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was resurrected spiritually from the dead, but not, not physically. physically. Yeah. Mm. Now think of how many scriptures you have to deny to believe that. Mm-hmm. Jesus was resurrected in a physical body. He was seen by others. Remember Thomas? What did Thomas want to do? Want to wait, he wanted to touch inside. him. Touch him. How do you touch a spirit? Yeah. Right? You can't touch a spirit. He's touching physical body. And then what does Jesus do? He shares a meal yep. with his disciples he wasn't like casper he ate fish no he ate fish it says he ate fish yeah this is a direct contradiction of scripture Mm -hmm. right and it calls into question and we don't have to spend too much time here the resurrection of lazarus right the resurrection he he raises uh i think a widow's son from the dead as well so some of these signs that are meant to point to the physical resurrection those become I, I would say under the Jehovah's Witness system, it's like, okay, that's just a nice thing he did, but why? Yeah, it's just a showing off. Yeah. It's just showing off his power. Which would be prideful and boastful and would not be the perfect human being. Yeah. They also get the second coming wrong. Mm-hmm. Jesus, or Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the second coming was an invisible spiritual event that occurred in the year 1914. Mm-hmm. That, this is one of the most bizarre things. So like, we're in trouble. Like, what happened in 1914? Like, what was the evidence of this? And why are the Jehovah's Witnesses still here if that happened? Right. Yeah. Why are they still riding bikes and <laughs> sharing? Yeah. We missed it. Right. So, obviously, twice bi- as hard. biblically, the um, second coming is still future. It will be physical. It will be visible. We will be caught up in the air with Christ. The dead in their tombs will raise with Christ. The um, Christ will judge the nations, right? Christ will judge the quick and the dead. Um, there's going to be all, so every eye will see him. Revelation mm-hmm. one tells us. So it can't again just denying clear texts and right? Jesus saying nobody knows the day or the hour. Right. right. So if you you're saying you know, like that's, that's that's a bad sign. Well, obviously people are going to know the day after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, what happened in 1914? Where's the evidence? Well, oh, it's a spiritual resurrection. Oh, you mean there's no evidence for it? Mm-hmm. Classic. Yep. Right. Cool. So now the Jehovah's Witness also, since they deny the Trinity, they deny that the Holy Spirit is an is a person. Right. Right. So they believe he's just an impersonal force. Force. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, not a distinct person. And God, Scripture tells us, Holy Spirit has a mind. Holy Spirit has emotions. Holy Spirit has a will. 
Holy Spirit teaches us, testifies to us, commissions us. He issues commands. He intercedes for us. There's all kinds of stuff the Spirit does, right? The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. And because of they miss all those things, they miss that they, they, they don't understand salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Job's witnesses believe that salvation requires faith in Christ. So here's where they would be like, well, yeah, we believe in Jesus too. We believe. They believe that salvation requires faith in Christ, but it also requires they have to be good Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. right? And obedience to its rules. Yep. So they've got to go on, uh, you know, they got to go door to door and they got to do these different things. And scripture teaches us that we are not saved by works, that ad- adherence to God's commands are not a prerequisite for salvation. Yes, we do obey God afterwards, mm-hmm. right? But our salvation is not dependent upon that. Yeah. If we're saved, we will do the works that God predestined for us to do beforehand. Right. Right. So good works are the fruit or result, not the basis mm-hmm. of our salvation. Now, this is one that I've always heard too, and the Jehovah's Witnesses. So one of the beauties about Christianity is when a person comes to Christ, we always say like the ground is level at the foot of the cross mm-hmm. and we're all grafted into God's family. Yeah. <clears throat> And so we're one with Christ, and that means we are all equal, right? We're all together. Well, Job's Witnesses teach that there's actually two redeemed people. They believe one, like the the high there's the highest level of heaven. So if you when you get to heaven, you go to the highest level, the anointed class, which is only 144,000 people. They will live in heaven and they will rule with Christ. Right, and they left in 1914. <laughs> is that the deal? They gone. Is that 144 already been filled? I don't. I didn't know that. Is that true? Yeah. Well, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fighting for B team. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody else is fighting for the B team. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I, I didn't. I didn't know that that 144,000 has already been fulfilled. Yeah. Okay. The other sheep. That's all other believers will live forever on a paradise on earth. So as we see. In Revelation 21, heaven and earth coming down and creating a new heavens and new earth where we'll all dwell together, they see levels to this thing. The top 144,000 people right. are, and it's, I, I, w- I didn't know it, that that was actually the case, that that's already been fulfilled. Because I thought you could make it into that 144,000 based upon how much service you did, how many people you led, you know, how many basically doors you knocked on. I th- thought that was some, some of the motivating factors there. Another thing, they believe that um, human beings do not have an immaterial nature. They don't have a soul, right? The soul is just a life force within a person. So when a person's dead, they're they're gone. Which, so talking about heaven, it's a really strange thing. We're, we're talking about heaven and 144,000 in heaven. Yet at the same time, when you die, you're done. Like how, there's those two things. The resurrection isn't real. Like, well, you, so it's a spiritual resurrection. So you're spiritually, um, you, you spiritually go and live with Christ, and yet you don't have a soul. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Now, right. they get hell wrong too. They they don't believe there's eternal torment, but they do believe hell is a place of the dead. So basically, annihilationism. You just you know, once a person dies, if they're not a believer, they just disappear. Mm. They just they're just annihilated. Okay. So th- this is why, like, but they believe in Jesus. Well, kind of. 
they don't believe in the Jesus of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't believe the Jesus who revealed himself and came from the Father and says, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I came from heaven. Mm-hmm. I am the son of God, but I eternally existed with God. I was eternally, the term, the right term that Jesus uses, I was begotten of the Father. Yeah. Begotten. Mm-hmm. I was begotten, not made. Mm-hmm. Jesus was never created. Okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit lived in eternity forever. Eternity past forever. They've always, they've always existed. Jesus was never created. He is not one of creation. That's why in Colossians it says all things were created through him. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so they say that some of the similar things we do, mm-hmm. we believe in Jesus, but the Jesus they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible. And the, only the Jesus of the Bible saves. Yeah. Right? That's good. Only the Jesus of the Bible. And so they, here's the problem. Their Watchtower magazine, they read it right next to the Bible. So one, one of the things that he did was they have their own version of the Bible. Um, so they, where they've added and taken away. So the Bible, they would say, yeah, we read the Bible, but the Bible they read is not the same Bible that we have. Yeah. And there's something interesting about the translators of this Bible. I don't know. At one point, the the uh, the qualifications of of the five men that were the translators of the Bible got called into question. Where four of them only had a high school diploma. What's wrong with that, Sam? No Hebrew, no <laughs> Greek experience, and the one guy who claimed he did failed a basic Hebrew test. <laughs> and so they said, "Hey, yeah, we got this." And and it was really a big deal because for a long time they tried to keep it secret. Who and that's another thing is there's a lot of secrecy in these cults where, oh, we, you know, uh, and they hide their secrets by calling them sacred things. So we don't talk about the sacred things. Well, it's a secret thing. They don't want, yeah. want you to know because a lot of the stuff is pretty embarrassing, like yeah. having a Bible translated by guys that are very uh, unqualified yeah. for such a thing. So we're not saying they're evil people. We're not saying they're mean people. We're not saying they're immoral people necessarily. They're just deceived people. Mm-hmm. And... As Sam was saying, some of the most dangerous lies are half-truths, right? They've got a little bit of truth in there, and they can get you just one degree off of the right doctrine or the right gospel. And yet, they can damn your soul. They can ruin your your, your human flourishing, right? Because it's not the Jesus of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. It's not Jesus plus the Watchtower magazine, right? Hey, I want to walk back real quick. Our podcast producer gave me some updated information. I'm just going to read on the 144,000, which is really just going to help the case. Uh, sent me a, a snippet of an article that says In the 1930s, the organization claimed that the number of the 144,000 had been sealed, and new witnesses would have an eternity on earth rather than in heaven. In 1935, the number of witnesses who believed they were part of the 144,000 numbered 52,465. The number who believed they were heavenly bound decreased dramatically over the following decades. In 2005, there were only 8,524. By 2020, the number had increased to 21,182. Now the Watchtower Society, again, that's their publishing company, says the number of the 144,000 will be sealed just before the Great Tribulation starts. So now they're saying... Hey. So you still got a chance. Yeah. yeah. So keep, keep evangelizing, guys. Do they issue T-shirts? They don't. Like, how do, you, how do you know if you're in or you're out? I mean, I know it has something... To, I've, I've heard it has something to do with 
your hours of service and your, yeah. your devotion and all this kind of stuff. So again, that shows you this religion is a treadmill. Mm-hmm. This religion is a treadmill. If you get on it, believe in Jesus and then get on the treadmill and then run the rest of your life trying to earn your place in the 144,000. Yep. Right. And apparently that place can be taken away from you after your death. Somebody else can outperform you and, uh, you know, you're up in heaven. It's like going, watching the leaders board. Yeah, like, oh man, I just got knocked out. You're they they got closer watch- doors. We got hotels. They're yeah. just probably knocking every door. They're like, no, <laughs> don't lead that person to Christ. Don't lead that person to the thing. You know? Yeah. I don't. Oh dang it! I just missed it. You know? Yeah. Uh, and we're joking here, but we need to see. The, we need to laugh at some of this stuff. We need to laugh at the the foolishness yeah. of false religions, right? Yeah. And listen, Paul got pretty mad about this kind of stuff. When people were trying to add to the gospel or trying to preach a different gospel, he got very mad because it's damning people's souls and it's ruining their life. It's absolutely ruining their life, wasting their life riding around bicycles in those silly outfits, right? Trying to convince people to become part of this false religion, right? So we want to love these people and we want to share the gospel with them. Now, here's, here's the reality. Most of those young kids that are doing that, they've been given canned answers that yeah. they've memorized from a lot of our questions, mm-hmm. right? The pro- and they don't, and if you get them stuck, most of them won't admit it. They won't even see that they're not logically consistent, right? right. And so you can, you can point out some things in John 1 or wherever you want to go, and, and, you know, pointing out the deity of Jesus, and they're going to have some weird tricks to, get, to try to get around that kind of thing, and so you can, you can pray for them. But, um, man, we need to know that we are not on the same team. Mm-hmm. They're not preaching the same Jesus. Yeah. They don't serve the same God. Mm. And we, you know, we would say like, they're, it's, it's a cult and it's, you know, it's dangerous. And one of the things that Kevin just shared with us, it shows us is that there are so many inconsistencies within their, their thought. And as they have the, this publication company, the, the watchtower, mm-hmm. as doctrines change, like they'll say one thing, you know, in this decade and then fast forward four decades, they say this other thing that completely contradicts and they just keep saying, well, oh, uh, one of the things they believe is that the church is like the sole authority or the, the sole um, revelation mechanism that God has. So whatever they say is actually true now. Which sounds very Catholic. Right. <laughs> yeah. But they keep changing their minds over time. Yeah. And then, and then they say, well, the light's getting brighter. The reason why it changes is because the light's getting brighter. We see things better now. Or, you know, it was once true, and now this is more true. Yeah. Or you're listening to a devil yep. who's leading you into apostasy. He's leading into, you into foolishness. He's trying to blind the mind of unbelievers so they don't see the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Right? Yep. We, we're, we're reformed. We believe in sola scriptura. That's one of our five solas, right? Scripture alone. So we do not need anything outside the Bible. Yeah, books are great. I've got, I don't even know how many, I can't remember what they told me, 1,200, I think. I've got 1,200 books surrounding me in my library right now. Um, got more than that in my digital library in Logos. Books are important. I read a lot of books. They, they're supplemental. They help me understand the text of scripture and yeah. different things. I, um, I can read Hebrew scholars and Greek scholars that help me find, um, help me understand certain parts of those texts. But those, none of these books in my office are inspired by God, except for scripture. The canon is closed, Mm -hmm. right? And there's only 66 books of the Bible. Every other book is circumspect. Every other book is going to have errors, and we need to not put much weight in them, honestly, right? So, all right, that's anything else, guys, on uh, Job's Witnesses? So real quick, 
Um, and I think some of the original question behind this podcast topic from a listener, how do we think about engaging Jehovah's Witnesses? So if they come to the door, do we invite them in? Do we turn them away? How do we think about that biblically? Yeah, it totally depends. Um, if you are of an apologetic mind, if you are of, if you're a little bit of a debater, if you like, um, if you know your scripture pretty well and you want to challenge them on these things, I mean, you can look up, just Google how to share the gospel with the Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. There's other podcasts that go into a whole lot more detail. Jeff Durbin on Apologia, he's got a section called Cultish. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, you can find it on podcasts, and they, they will go deep dive into yeah. Jehovah's Witness and stuff. And they also go deep dive in Mormonism because they're out there, I think, in... Oh, no, they're not. They're in Arizona, they're in but Arizona, they do a lot of Mormon stuff. They, yeah. they do a lot of evangelism to Mormons. Yeah. And so you can go and, and if you want to research that, then you, then you can do that. Now, personally, for me, um, I don't do much research on it. I don't study it much because... They probably in, know your house. And forty no, in forty four years, I think they've only came to my house once, and mm. I brought them in and I debated them, um, and but there were there were two young kids that didn't know anything. Yeah. You know, they were they were just doing this on their summer break or whatever. So I kind of felt bad for them. Mm. Uh, just beat. <laughs> so you brought them in the air conditioning. Yeah, I brought them in the air conditioning. <laughs> gave them water, uh, but continue to pray for them. Continue to pray for them. Yeah. And yeah, you, if you want to bring them in and try to evangelize, you totally do it. You know, you never know what God, God's going to do. Um, but for me, it's usually like you, you start working with one, you start, somebody's in your family trying to get converted. That's when you start doing deep dive Yeah. because you don't want that, that person to be led astray. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. <clears throat> so that's good. That's, that's probably. And I think maybe the one thing, the, the clearest path where we, you know, where we divert is who is Jesus and the deity of Christ. If, if you were to engage that, that would be like the thing that would topple their whole entire belief system. Yeah is to come to the realization that God was fully, or Jesus was fully God and fully man, yeah. not just a mere mortal, not just a perfect man. Yeah. If, you, if you can have that conversation and point or to this a passage. God, not just a God, little g God. Right, yeah. And uh, if you can get to those passages that make it very clear where Jesus and John, he's claiming that he and the Father are one, and show it. It's like, how do you refute that? Where, you know, this is what the Bible says. Yeah. How, how do you go a different way? Mm-hmm. Mm Yep. So, and eventually you're going to get, well, this is what the Bible say. And like, they'll be like, well, let me show you my Bible. And they'll be, mm -hmm. and like that John one in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. They'll say, well, their translation says was a God. Yeah. They'll just add that one little word in there. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but Changes that word everything. is not there. That That's your translation. And that word is not there. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Okay. I'm looking. All right. I think that's about it. So hopefully this was, a little bit helpful for you guys. And if you've got any questions, again, email me, justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We love you. We're trying to do our best to equip you. We are in some difficult seasons here in, uh, in the St United States of America, and we need to know our scripture. We need yes. to know our theology. We need to be ready. All right? So we love you. We're praying for you. God bless. <laughs>